We have been, uh, as a church this summer, we've been working our best at meeting with Jesus. Uh, very simply, seeing how it is that he interacts with others in the hopes of, of those interactions changing us. I, I hope that some of you are keenly aware of the need for growth in yourself. Do some of you feel that need? Yeah. Um, the only thing which is no longer growing and changing is a dead thing. Uh, all things which are alive are growing, or otherwise they're not alive. That's a very simple definition of life. And so we want to be alive, and that means whether we have no faith at all or we've had faith for a long time, we still all need to be growing because we want to be alive. This morning, we're going to consider five steps on the path of discipleship. Uh, there's a movement that every disciple goes through from having nothing at all to do with Jesus all the way to becoming a, a committed follower of his. And in this room, every single one of us is somewhere on that path, uh, either really brand new to this whole Jesus thing or committed follower. But what we'll discover is that there are steps that can be followed from one to the next point. And what we want to do is to see these so that we can do two things. First, so that we can assess ourselves to discover where we are on that path. Anyone who's followed Jesus will know that from time to time, it's good to stop and take a look at oneself to see where am I on this journey? Because faith is always a journey, don't you think? And then secondly, we want to look at this path so that as a church, we can be effective and faithful at helping other people move along that journey. We've decided as a church that our mission is to build up disciples who invite and inspire others to love and serve Jesus together. And so we, from time to time, need to assess how are we doing at that. And this morning, we'll see these steps both to ask how we're doing individually and to ask the question of this church altogether. Are we faithful to what God has called us to? These steps will enable us to do that. And, and they'll come to us through the story of one of the disciples named Peter. And many of you will be familiar with Peter. When we meet him, he's not yet called Peter. His name is Simon. Thank you. I know you were like, am I supposed to talk or not? But you, either way is fine. If we simply observe what happens with Peter in this scene, we'll see these five distinct steps, and they're going to help us. The story is told in the fifth chapter of Luke. It begins outside. Jesus is not in, in the temple teaching. He's beside the water, and it was common for him to teach outside. He did not want his lessons only to be heard by people who wanted to go to synagogue. He wanted them to be accessible to everyone to the people who were not interested in going to a religious place. Do you know people like that? Uh, to people who wouldn't have been allowed to go to a religious place, as well as to those who were interested to hear what he had to say. Now, on this morning, there was a big crowd. And that was because Jesus was magnetic. He was 
a teacher that wasn't like other teachers. He had power and authority when he spoke without that pretension and that arrogance that often goes along with it. He was humble and kind to absolutely everybody. There were no rules to get his attention. If you were, he loves you. That's who Jesus was. And so there was a large crowd. And, and this is the last thing, Jesus really knew his stuff. He taught with unique insight and people could see it. The story is told in Luke 5, chapter 1. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Who were on the Shore of the lake of Gennesaret. It's also called the Sea of Galilee. The crowd has gathered around to hear Jesus teach here, and over there, the fishermen have just finished their night's work. They're out of the boats washing their nets. It's very crowded here where Jesus is, and there's lots of space over there where the boats are. And so Jesus begins to make his way from here, where the crowds are, over toward the boats. Watch what he does. This is verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. There were too many people for him to go on teaching here on the beach, the boat meant an opportunity for him to continue teaching and he wasn't done with his lesson. So he went over and he got into the boat, the one belonging to Simon, and then he asks him, put out into the shore so I can keep going. Now Simon is the man whose name is going to eventually be changed to Peter. When we first meet him, he is a fisherman who is at work and later on, he's going to become a completely devoted follower of Jesus. And what we want to see is how does he go from just being a guy who's finishing up his day of work to becoming a disciple who walks after Jesus? Let me tell you why we want to see this. Because what we want, and some of us know this very well, others of us haven't yet discovered that this deep down is what we want, but we want to know how to become people who dedicate ourselves to walking after Jesus. Some of you know that well, that you know that you want to be that person, yes or no? And if you don't, if you're ambivalent and you're not sure, can, please listen to me, and you can believe me or not. Deep down, your heart knows it wants to follow Jesus. It wants to go from just being a person who's sort of moving along through life and, and following the ordinary steps of work and then sleep and then work the next day and sleep and then when am I going to get a new job, etc. You want to go from there. And if it's not a job because you're not working yet, it's school, is anyone excited about starting school? Okay, yeah, some of you are, great. <laughs> I'm very glad you are, but, but listen, being in the school of the master Jesus, that's what you were made for. Every one of you was made for that. And so here we meet this fisherman who, who eventually gets to there, and we want to know, how did he go from here to there? Already, if we stop this story right here, it contains our first two steps of how a person moves uh, along this path of the dynamic path of discipleship. Okay, in the first, this first step was taken by everybody in that crowd, and it's simple. Every 
follower of Jesus starts out watching him from a distance. And the first step is to observe Jesus. This is where every disciple begins. This is important to clarify. The first step in discipleship is not to find the right denomination to belong to or to pick a religious leader who you like enough to be dedicated to or to find the right church with the right music and the right setting and all of that stuff. That's not the first step. The first step is simple. It is to observe Jesus. It is to see what he's up to. Listen, Simon, that fisherman, was cleaning over there. He was cleaning his nets. Do you think he was overhearing what Jesus was saying there? I'm sure he was. No one could be around Jesus and not at least listen to what he was saying. And that's where it begins. Simon overhears what Jesus is saying. And if you noticed in the text, Jesus was not sharing his own opinion or the wisdom of a rabbi. He was sharing the word of God. Did you notice that? When Jesus speaks, it's God's words that the people who hear are receiving. And so this fisherman is receiving God's word as he's overhearing. It was not the first time that he was close enough to Jesus to observe him. It it had happened earlier that uh, he he actually met Jesus at his mother-in-law's house. Does some of you know that story? It's recorded in the previous chapter in Luke in in chapter four. Simon was at his mother-in-law's house and his mother-in-law was very sick. Instead of being up and, and serving and helping out with the guests, she was in her room on her bed with a fever and, and somehow word got to Jesus. He showed up at her house and what Simon knew is that the rabbi came, went into that room and the next thing he knows, his mother-in-law is no longer sick with a fever. She's been healed and she gets up and she starts to serve. And I, I imagine there were some good appetizers or something like that. <laughs> but listen again. The way that it begins for every disciple, and this is for all of you here, is is with simple observation of Jesus. You see something about him that catches your attention. You come to church on a Sunday morning in the summer, and then you, you see a story in which Jesus meets with someone. You're observing Jesus there. Or, or hopefully you see the power of Jesus in the way that he changes someone who you are close to. Has anyone seen Jesus' power in the way that a friend has changed? Yeah, that's you observing Jesus. Uh, Maybe you observe the difference he makes, not just in an individual, but in a group of people. A group of people who decide to change their whole way of being in the world because they know Jesus. And when you see it, it's inspiring. Have you ever seen that? Uh, For me, this happened when I was in middle school. I went to a church uh, where the Sunday messages were painfully boring, but the youth group was so, and I feel awful now having said that, and and (laughs) listen, it might might be that some of you middle school students are saying, is he talking about our church, right? (laughs) But the youth group was so lively and good for me, and here's why. I observed Jesus in the youth group. It was in the way those adult volunteers treated me. It was in the way that the social setting of that youth group was not like school. In school, I always felt insecure because I knew the kids were going to make fun of me. I was short and I hated it. But (laughs) I was a little taller than that. But (laughs) at youth group, that didn't happen. And there again, I was observing Jesus. So listen now, here's the first step for you to consider. Are, are you able to see Jesus? Are you observing him? If you're thinking, 
you know, I used to feel very alive in my faith, but I haven't lately. Maybe it's because you're not paying enough attention to Jesus. You're not keeping your eyes open to what he's doing. So you are responsible for routinely observing him. That's for you. Now, for us as a church, this is a question that we have to ask of ourselves. As a church, are we organizing ourselves in a way that is making it possible for people who come in to observe Jesus? Or are they seeing something else? Do you see that question? Now listen, that's not just a question for the staff and the pastors. It is a question for me and for all the staff. It's a question for people in leadership to be asking. But if you're here routinely, you're a part of this church too. And so you have to ask, is Renaissance Church a place where when people come in, they can observe Jesus? That's what the church has to be if we're going to help disciples grow. That's the first step, observe. And that's what happened with Simon. He observed. Now, that first step is always going to lead to a second step, and we also see that already in the action which we have read. Uh, it starts with observation, but observation is always meant to lead to something additional, and that is that the person who observes should participate. And that's the second step. Not only to watch what Jesus is doing, but to get involved, but to have a hand in what he's doing. C can you see from the way we already have observed this story, how Simon goes from an observer to a participant? It's his boat, right? Jesus ran out of land. A boat is floating land. And so when he comes over to Simon and tells him, uh, I need this and I need you to take me out into the water, Simon makes a decision and the decision he makes is to do something with his skill and his asset to be a part of what Jesus is doing. He has a boat, which is useful to Jesus at this point, and he has the ability to keep a boat steady in the water, which is not easy to do. And so he goes from just being an observer to a participant with a boat. And this second step, uh, in detail, it will be different for every a disciple because not everyone has a boat, but it will be the same in principle. And it is that everyone who observes Jesus, every person who looks at Jesus will eventually see that she has something which Jesus needs to go on doing his mission in a particular way. And, and, and for all of us here, that has to be a practical step that we'll be invited into by Jesus. It is to put our useful assets and skills into Jesus' hand so he can employ them in his mission. Now it's time for you to look at yourself and ask, do I have something that Jesus needs and might use? I promise you the answer is yes. The question is, will you see it? And then will you put it into his hands? You have some time since you retired. Time is useful in Jesus' mission. The question is, will you put that, some of it, into his hands? Uh, you have lots of experience teaching children. Jesus wants to see children growing in faith. Uh, the question is, will you give some of that experience to Jesus' hands? That's a step that people who are going to be moving forward in discipleship take. You're really good at welcoming people, or you have experience with a particular challenge since you yourself lived through it, or you have an income that provides you with enough to share. Whatever it is, listen now, you have a boat. And Jesus needs your boat to go on doing his work. I like that this guy here enjoyed that. <laughs> I do. I love it. So think of it now. And this is a practical question for moving forward as a disciple. What, what's my boat? 
You have been created by God with gifts that are uniquely designed to be useful in his mission. Every one of you has been. Every one of you. And God is not waiting for you to become a perfect person or to have your faith all figured out or to know exactly what you believe and to profess faith in precisely the right way. None of that. He just sees you. Jesus sees you cleaning the nets out and sees the boat and says, that's useful. And then comes over and says, all right, time to get involved. Participate. And he's doing that even now for all of us. For people who've never been a part of of his work before. He's, He's tugging at your heart right now. For those of you who have been involved in his work for seasons and seasons and seasons, and now you're thinking, what now? Well, there's a new endeavor that he's inviting you to, and your responsibility is to listen up and to begin participating. For me, again, this was right when I was a junior in college, the church that I'd grown up in where I loved the youth group. I was still connected with some people there, and someone reached out to me as I had just gotten into a Bible study in college, and they said, hey, why don't you come back and volunteer at the youth group? And I did. I came back as a junior in college. I drove from Rutgers to where the church was, and I was a volunteer leader in the small group for freshmen uh, at Tower Hill Presbyterian Church. And there, what was happening is, well, Jesus was moving me along on the path of growing as a disciple, and he wants to move all of you along on that path. The question is, what's my boat, and how will I use it? Think for a moment of what it is, and, and be specific to yourself. It may be something at this church, right? It might be the youth group at this church. I, I suspect they could use some new leaders, yeah? Okay, so it might be that, right? It might be um, someone who helps greet or welcome folks. It could be someone to work with Ren kids. I know they need teachers uh, or, or one of the support groups or, or Ren cares being active in mission out in the world. It does not have to be something at the church. Uh, Jesus might invite you to do something out there Uh, in your office to just do one little discipline of faith with with some people around you where you work each day or or, or at the school that you're a part of to be a different kind of a friend to the people near you. But whatever it is, it will be you using your skills, your assets to be involved in Jesus' mission. Now, if you do this, if you start to move forward like Simon does here, I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus is not going to be satisfied with participation. He's going to push you to another step. And he's going to push you because he loves you. And he knows that finding you exactly where you are is good, but moving you forward to make you into a different person is even better. Here's what happens next. All right, Jesus is done teaching the crowd. He's finished with his lessons with the whole crowd there in Simon's boat, but he's not done teaching Simon. He's got an additional lesson, a next step for the person who has observed and begun to participate, something that cannot be learned just by listening. And that's true for all of us too. It's verse four. Watch what happens. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Okay, at this point, Jesus, uh, to Simon, Jesus is a great preacher. Simon is a professional fisherman. (laughs) You ever have someone give you advice about something that you're an expert at and they know nothing about? (laughs) Right? Imagine now, that comes at the end of a long night 
of work where you're doing the job that they're telling you now how to do. That's what happens here. All night long, they've been fishing, which is the time when fish feed. Not when the sun is up and the water is hot. They'd finished cleaning their nets and they know, Simon and his friends know, it's not time to go fishing, but here is where Jesus the Lord wants to move Simon further on the path that he has started to walk down. Okay? Jesus is someone to observe. Then he's uh, an interesting teacher to begin participating with. But now he's, he's asking, in effect, Simon, if he's willing to regard him as more than just a teacher with some uh, interesting stuff to say, will he do what Jesus says? Look at verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, there is the third step in discipleship. It's trust. Hearing what Jesus says to do and then choosing to do it, even though you're pretty sure that you know better than Jesus. Please let that sink in for a minute. I'm telling you, this is true. And if I'm experiencing it still as a person who's been reading the Bible and thinking about Jesus for many years, the more you listen to him, the more you'll, you'll discover this, that he tells you things which he, he knows are true and you're absolutely certain that you know better than he does about those things. It happens all the time. You will be sure that the right way to go here is, is to make a left turn and Jesus will say, go right. And discipleship, happens when you take the third step, which is to decide that even though I think I know better, I'm going to do exactly what Jesus says instead. I'm going to choose to trust him instead of what I think is best, instead of what I've learned is best from everyone around me, instead of what I've been conditioned to think is right because of the environment that I grew up in and the people who had influence on me. Over and over again, the person who listens to Jesus will hear him telling them things to do which are totally contrary to to your instincts. And what discipleship requires is the choice to use Simon's phrase here, yet if you say so. Imagine this, right? I think we should be done fishing, yet if you say so, I will try again. That's That's what Simon does here. That's the third step in discipleship. I think I should get revenge Yet if you say so, I will leave vengeance to God. That's what Jesus teaches. And if you don't think you do that, just pay attention the next time you get into an argument with someone who's close to you and you have something to bring up that they forgot about, but you didn't. (laughs) I think I should point out where she is wrong. Yet if you say so, I will stop trying to get the speck out of her eye when there's a log in my own. I think I should punish my enemy and I should harbor hatred for them in my heart. I think I should add this to the list of grievances I have against him. I think I should get the upper hand and strike back and win. Pray for your enemies, Jesus says. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, Jesus says. Forgive those who wrong you 77 times if you have to, Jesus says. The disciple is the man, the woman who is learning to say, yet if you say so, I will let down the nets for a catch of fish. When you think you know better than Jesus, go with Jesus. The disciple who is growing responds to Jesus as Simon does here with trust. What happens next in this, in this story shows us what to expect if we follow Jesus. And this, is, this, this can be applied to any step you take in obedience to him, whether it's with the person that you're closest to or your family or your work. Here it is. This is verses six and seven. When they had done this, when they had let the nets down, as Jesus told them to, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Listen, the moment Simon trusted Jesus, simply doing what Jesus said, he succeeds like he never has before. And the lesson in this moment for us is that doing what Jesus says to do, even when you're sure that you know better than him, always leads to the best outcome. That's true. Uh, Listen, I'll tell you from experience, it does not always happen as quickly as it does here. Can anyone else uh, to see that? Yeah, let's not get our expectations wrong that I forgive and then the relationship is healed and everything's perfect from now on. Boom, just like that. No, 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 right? But, but it's still true. The principle still adheres in this case. That when we choose to trust Jesus, even if we don't see it right away, maybe it will be days or weeks or months or years. Can anyone attest to that? I know some of you have struggled through many dark nights of trying to trust him. And some of you are in that struggle right now. But take heart when you choose to trust him, going the way he says rather than the way you're inclined to, when you take that third step of discipleship, trust, it is the best possible step to take. And the outcome in this case will demonstrate to us the, the next step, the fourth step for the dynamics of discipleship. Everyone is shocked, okay? And for the first time, what happens in this boat is, is the power of the man that they've invited into their boat suddenly becomes clear to everyone there. And watch how Simon responds. This is verses eight through 10. But when Simon Peter saw it, and there, by the way, is the first time we get that name of his, Peter, which Jesus is going to give him later on. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed to the catch of fish they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Everybody who witnesses what happened is absolutely and utterly shocked at what they just saw. Those other folks named are also professional fishermen. They cannot believe what just took place. What it shows them plainly is that this man has otherworldly power. This is a supernatural event that has just taken place. The only explanation is God is present in this man in a unique way. And that is absolutely true. Simon Peter, when he sees the presence and power of God, did you notice what he wanted to do? He wants Jesus to get away from him. And there's a reason. Listen now. The light of Jesus' power makes Simon's inadequacy plainer to him than it has ever been. 
And this is also a principle that will happen to us and to anyone here who starts to move forward with Jesus. It's this, in the brightness of Jesus' goodness, Simon is painfully aware of his own sinfulness. And that's exactly what any one of us should expect when we get close to Jesus. The more you see his power, the more you say, I- I- I'm nothing. And, the, and what will happen in a person's heart is they'll say, I should get away from him. He should get away from me. I'm not good enough. Does anyone here know that feeling? That is a, that, listen now, stay with me for a moment. That is a good feeling to have because this is the fourth step of discipleship. When you want to retreat, instead what you should do is repent. And that's what Peter does here. And the only reason you can do that, and, and by the way, repent means don't run away, uh, just turn around You want to run from Jesus. Repent is instead turn around and face him. And here's why you can do that. Because Jesus' grace is for you. He is holy and perfect. You are very, very far from that. But Jesus knows that. And he does not want you to get away from him. He wants you to stay close to him. And so that fourth step for anyone who's going to grow as a disciple is to turn from whatever uh, patterns of life you know are the wrong patterns and turn toward Jesus and then except that when you do that, he, he receives you with his loving embrace. He, he can't wait for you to turn away from that other thing so that you can turn toward him, acknowledging your own sin and not running away from him, but going toward him, leaving that old you behind to go off in a new direction. Do you know the old you? You are completely free again this morning to repent and turn away from it and to go with the master Jesus whose power is so bright it makes you look completely inadequate. None of the guys in this boat know it yet. But Jesus is going to end up going to the cross where he'll die to take away their sin. And Jesus has done that for every single person in this room. For all of you and for every person who tunes in online and and shares with us in that virtual way. Jesus' death was for all of us so that our sin could be managed and taken as far away from us as the East is from the West. And he did that so that we can turn over and over again and come along with him. The disciple is the person who is ready to say, as Simon does here, I'm a sinful man, I'm a sinful woman, but then accept that Jesus came to save sinners like us. That's good news, don't you think? He loves you. He does. And what he wants is for you to come toward him and to be with him from now on. That's what he wants. It's very clear in how the story ends. Okay, after observing and then participating and beginning to trust and then repenting, this last step, this fifth one is is also a part of the dynamics of discipleship. Look at what Jesus says to Simon down in verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Instead of, this is beautiful, instead of wanting to get away from Simon, Jesus wants Simon to come along with him. Do you see that? He wants the exact opposite of the impulse in Simon. And it's true for you too. Fishing for people, that's an old prophetic image. It's in the book of Jeremiah for bringing people who are far away from God close to him. And the reason God wants that is because to be far away from God is bad for people. To be close to him is good. And the way God has decided to arrange things in this world is to use people like us 
with whatever assets and skills we have, who've observed him to, to be a part of his mission of bringing others. And, and, and he wants us to begin to decide every day, I'm going to be on this new path where Jesus is my leader every day and every moment. And I am going to do this last thing every day that I can. I'm going to follow. And that's the fifth step. This is what Jesus wants from us. And it's what he wants for us. And no one in this room, no one is too young to begin following. No one is too old to say, I've done it already. I'm just going to sit back and relax. All of us, Jesus wants to bring us to himself and then to bring us along with himself so that we become a part of the mission of bringing people who are far away from God close to him. Now, it's time first for self-assessment. Okay, and here I do want you to direct your attention toward you where you are right now. And this is the question that you should ask. Where am I in these five steps? Here are the five steps. Am I a person who's just now observing? Okay, if that's you, if you're just beginning to observe, trust me now, this will become something more for you as it's meant to when you find the way to participate. To, to, to put into action something that's a part of Jesus' work. Maybe you have been participating, but it's been a while since you took a step of trust. You've sort of stalled out at helping out here, but you've, you've not yet really moved forward and taken the risk that Jesus is inviting you to take, okay? Maybe you've been trusting, but you've been also burying and hiding the places where you need to turn away from the old you. You need to learn to repent, to say, I'm a sinner here and I need to bring that to Jesus. Uh, uh, Maybe you've you've done that, but you've not yet been moving along with Jesus. Wherever you are on that path, uh, take a moment now to be honest with yourself first and then to ask God uh, in a silent prayer right now to help you move to the next place. Would you do that? And when you're aware of what it looks like for you to take that step, take it. Uh, you, that's on you, right? You have to take that step. Do it. Uh, church assessment time, okay? And if you're just stopping by this morning to see what, what's really going on down here and you're never going to come back, you're off the hook on this one. But for the rest of us, <laughs> listen, this is important. For the rest of us as a church, it's time for us to ask as a church, where do we need to improve altogether as a church? My guess is that we could find areas for improvement in all five steps, but we should be working together at that. How can we be a church that helps people observe Jesus more clearly? Where can we take practical steps so that as much as possible, we can help people participate more easily in what Jesus is up to. Where are the places that our church can become more effective at really pushing others to trust, to really take steps of trust in Jesus? Where are the opportunities that we are are putting before others to repent, to turn away from their old selves and to follow Jesus? And then that last one, how can we become uh, as much as possible a community that is not just talking about or observing Jesus from a distance, but, but following him together as a church. I'm telling you this, my commitment as the pastor is, is to work at this with the staff and leaders as much as I can, but I'm telling you that if you're here and a part of this community, it's on us all together to become more and more effective in this way. Will you accept that responsibility? I'm extending it to you and asking you, to, this is for all of us, agreed? 
All right, now we can do none of this at all without the help of Jesus. And, and the gift is that he promises to give us all the help we need when we set out on the road of following him together. So we're going to end this time by asking him for the help that we need. So let's join our hearts together now and ask for it. God, we thank you so much for the gift of this, this scene here with Simon's first steps on the path of discipleship. We thank you for how it helps us know what to expect for each one of us. I ask this morning that as we've spent some time reflecting on where we are, that you would put it into our minds, the steps that you're calling us to take to move forward. And wherever that is for anyone who's here, I pray that you would give us the courage and the determination to move forward where you have made it plain that we need to move forward. I do ask for the blessing that comes with trusting you for everyone who's here and can hear my voice. For the person who's been having a hard time in relationship to their spouse, who's got a sense for how they're meant to step forward and trust now, I ask that they would take that step and that the outcome would be good. For the young person who's struggling with insecurities and and then has a sense for the next step to take, maybe leaving behind those old friends and developing new friends, I pray that the outcome would be good. For the person who feels it's time to get engaged in a new mission or ministry here at the church or somewhere else, I pray that there would be success and that their faithfulness would be rewarded quickly so that they would be encouraged. God, for those moments where we're going to step forward and it's not going to happen as we wish right away, give us patience so that even more trust can grow. But help us remember from this story that doing what you say is good. And then I ask that none of us, none of us at all, would only have our vision turned toward ourselves, but all of us together would see the power that you have put in a church like this with all of these different people involved. And I pray that we would see the power that you've put in our church so that we could maximize its potential for good out in the world. And we know the best thing is for people to see you, to have meetings with you, their own meetings with you, And so we pray that that would be our consistent aim to introduce people to you so they can observe you and then can begin to participate in your work and trust you. God, we ask that you would use Renaissance Church to become a place where people who have never trusted you before would trust you. And then we pray that they would repent, turning away from whatever wickedness keeps them from you. And instead, they would become righteous as they walk with you. Uh, People we've never met before, we pray that you would use our church to draw them into a relationship with you so that more and more folks would follow you. And that's what we want, all together to follow you. Help us do that to your glory and increase our joy as we own the salvation that was won for us on that cross on Calvary. We thank you that you defeated death, the enemy of sin and evil and hatred, And then we thank you that you did not stay dead, but rose again and that you are alive even now in this moment. And you are here through the power of the Holy Spirit to awaken our hearts and to draw us to yourself. Whatever holds us back, take it away and move us forward on this path of discipleship. We ask for this in Jesus' name, who loves us and gave himself for us. Amen and amen.